Hey, black joy and bootstraps, the podcast that you really need. Helping my black community, good vibes, good energy. Black joy and bootstraps, top financial literacy. Love and education, want to see my people elevated. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps with your host, Felicia Jimenez. And today we are on with Dr. LaShawn Williams. Uh, LaShawn is a licensed clinical social worker um, and a relational change strategist. She's going to tell us what all them big words mean, right, LaShawn? Yes, you know it, you know it. Okay, I just had to be sure. Uh, yes. But we're going to get into that. But today is all about mental health. I feel like that is one of the episodes that we were missing last season. And I don't know how I did that, but I'm like, this is a big thing right now. So um, y'all already know how we do. We're going to start with the basics um, because I feel like we throw around this term all the time, mental health, mental health, mental health. Um, but what is it? like? So we're going to start with the very basics and then get into everything to what even should we expect if we go, right? Um yeah. So let's hop right into it. LaShawn, um, what is therapy? Like, what is therapy and why is there such a push for it right now? Thankfully, there's a push for it right now. Um, therapy is a process of understanding human behavior. And if you look, you know, historical timelines, we've been talking about mental health and mental wellness and mental illness ever since enslavement was part of this continent's experience. Um, enslaved people who tried to escape were diagnosed with something called drapetomania, which is the drive to escape enslavement. And it was seen as a mental illness for people to want to be free from enslavement. So thankfully- LaShawn, I know you did not just tell us that people wanting to be free is a mental health issue, that they deem that as a mental... Let me stop putting it past these people. Okay, keep going. Let me just go on. Right. So therapy. So, so then, so therapy is to help us understand in today, the year of 20 and 20 and one, why do we need to go? And literally, what does it mean to be liberated so far as your mentality, so far as how you view the world, how you interact with it, how you understand it, what you expect from it? A lot of therapy is about understanding, naming and unpacking the T word trauma. But it's also being able to get a second opinion so that you're like, OK, is it me or is it everybody else? And the answer is probably both. So. In therapy, you're getting the opportunity to enter into um, a relationship that is non-judgmental, that is full of unconditional positive regard, and that is person-centered, you being the person. And then it's also relationship-centered with you and the therapist utilizing your relationship as a practice field for how you interact outside of the therapy setting. Got it. Okay. So, um, that's therapy when we say, and I know you kind of hit on it, but I just want to like short, sweet. What do you feel when we say you girl, you gotta take care of your mental health, your mental health. What is that? Like, because we say it all the time, but when we say take care of your mental health, what are we talking about? We're talking about balance. We're talking about understanding that somewhere in our interactions, there's an imbalance. There's a misunderstanding there's a, you all got that friend that has the same problem over and over and over again. And it's like, you need to go take care of that, which means Child. you need to make a change. 
and will come to you every single time with the same question. Well, what should I, ma'am, we done been through, we done been through this. Now you need to see a therapist because we done told you the same advice 15 times. So now there, there's something else that, that needs to be done. So I feel like that's, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And sometimes that person is us, right? We know what we need to be doing. And then we just keep pretending like, not me. I'm, I, I just, I'm just going with the flow, ma'am. You're doing the same thing over and over, right? The definition of insanity. And where is the flow headed that we are going with? Because maybe we should stop going with the flow is the other opportunity that presents itself to us. I would tell my students, you know, you're, you're the person that needs to go into social work, right? Or into mental health or into the helping professions. When you are the person that gets the phone call at 3 a.m., because your friends have been out and they're making those phone calls at 3 a.m. And you know, if you're getting the phone call, it's because you told your homeboy or your homegirl or your homie, hey, you start feeling like you want to call that ex, call me instead. Mm. And they listen, right? So when you get that phone call, that means people trust you and you're somebody that they want to share, you know, their life with or they, their issues or their problems the other option is you are the person that makes that phone call and you always call in people. And so because you have had the experience, it sometimes makes you in a really good place to help others through their experience, provided that, you know, you've worked through and gotten to your own, which oftentimes it may not mean that you have changed it. But when you're aware of it and you can name this is just what I do and mm. you know, love me for who I am, which means I'm a messy person and I just want you all to love me, even though I'm messy we have boundaries. Like, it's not like people go to therapy to be completely changed. People go to therapy to manage how they view the world and what's going to, what, what they want the world to give to them and what they expect out of it. So like mm. your mental health, go manage how you view the world and how you interact with it. That's what we're saying to people. And so you go to therapy to have somebody help you out, say, okay, how do I better manage this situation or this relationship or how I respond or how I react? How do I better manage this piece of my life that is unmanageable? Interesting. I've never thought about it in that way. Like the way that we view the world and how to navigate through it. Like, okay, thank you for that. Um, one thing that I know people always want to ask LaShawn, how do you pay for therapy? Like, is it even affordable? Does, does um, insurance cover it? Like, how do we even find that out? So this is the thing about insurance. Um, insurance is a business that's there to make money. And it uh, causes sometimes more problems than it's worth because mental health is not considered a preventive wellness. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, we have our mammograms, those are covered because it's a preventive wellness, a preventive wellness thing that you can do or, gotcha. you know, heart screenings, cardiovascular, um, eye te vision tests, things like that, that we consider preventive wellness appointments. Mm -hmm. Mental health isn't covered in that. And even with your insurance, it might only, especially if you get it through work, it will cover your mental health counseling if it's related to a work issue. Interesting. So if it's done through your job and the stress is created by your job, then there's a possibility that you will be able to use it only for that. Only for that, usually through an employee assistance program, which will get you, you know, six to 10 sessions through an approved provider. And then outside of that, you have to figure out how you're going to 
pay for the mental health therapy services. Like if you're having couple or relationship issues, that's usually not covered under insurance because they insure you, you, the individual, mm-hmm. not your couple. Right. So you might be able to get your kids into mental health therapy if it's connected to school, but going through like the insurance company itself, they are not built to actually cover you for any sort of preventive um, wellness or mental wellness Mm -hmm. appointment. So what that usually means is separate from the is therapy affordable question, because that's going to depend on the therapist. A lot of us either have a sliding scale or we have a set accessible accessibility fee. That's what I call mine is like an accessible mental health therapy fee. Um, or we contract with, you know, another agency or we contract as an EAP provider. So you can see us through your company's insurance. And the only other option is if we are paneled which means we're one of the providers with your specific insurance agency. And so this is why you run into a lot of private pay or self-pay mental health therapists, because you think if 40 people in a room want to come to see me as a therapist and they have 40 different insurance companies, I now have to be responsible to 40 different companies just so that I can get paid. Ah, okay. That makes sense. So then what we'll say is if we can work it out where you pay me and then you deal individually with your insurance company, they reimburse you after you pay me Mm -hmm. instead of me trying to work with 40 different companies to get reimbursed because you didn't pay and you went through your company. So is it affordable is like a multi-layered question. Yes, it can be affordable. And oftentimes working directly with the therapist will be where you get the affordability And then outside of that, you need to have a therapist that's considered an in-network provider. And even with that, oftentimes your insurance company will not pay 100% until after you've met your deductible. So So, if you've got a 3,000 or 3,500 deductible, that is going to be, let's say, 30 $100 sessions before your insurance even kicks in. So the truth is we have to contact the therapist, give them our insurance, and then will they, is it them that will figure out? Because that was a lot of information, but I'm like, at the end of the day, like, so we call the therapist, we find a therapist that we think we might like, we contact them, and then we see if they take our insurance. You can ask them if they take insurance. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of us do, many of us don't. And it depends on the therapist if they want to help you figure that out. Okay. It feels like, I mean, because sometimes for a lot of people, insurance, I mean, not insurance, but therapy feels so out of reach. You know what I mean? And so would you say that that's an accurate statement that for the average middle-class person that therapy is out of reach? Yeah, it is in some ways, because if you're paying different therapists will create their prices based on where they live and what cost of living is or where their office is located. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, we have overhead costs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I've seen therapists because they're located in a certain area where more money is, they base their rates because of where their location is not based on like wanting to actually make therapy affordable for people. So 
I've set my rates. I know I haven't changed mine since 2017. I don't have oh, any wow. plans on changing it because based on the, the rates that I charge, I know that X amount of appointments, I can make the money that I want to make. Mm-hmm. And because I value having affordable, accessible services, therapy isn't the only way. Individual therapy, right? Mm-hmm. So you can do like a group therapy and that's usually cheaper for people. You do a six to eight week group therapy session and that can be a psychotherapy piece, which most th- uh, insurances won't pay for. They don't pay for group therapy. So you make it a little bit cheaper so it's affordable. So it's like mm. you say, okay, we're going to go, it's going to be 250 or 400 for like eight sessions. Okay. Which normally would have been like, you know, 800 or $1,000 if you were doing 100 or 125 per hour. But group therapy, six to eight people, 400 bucks, six to eight weeks, and it can be therapeutic or it can be psychoeducational. What's and the so, difference in those two? Okay. So therapeutic is like doing the therapy with the people. And so in a therapeutic group, you are tackling whatever the issues are. And there might be trauma that comes up. There might be some mental health diagnoses that are beyond like a functional mental health diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So beyond your anxiety or depression, that's functional. You might have some deep trauma. You might have some PTSD. You might have, if there's like any schizophrenia, we call it severe and persistent mental illness. So any of our schizophrenia or schizotypal, um, any of our heavy like access to mental health diagnoses, mm-hmm. those you want to do those in like really protected, structured, like mental health settings versus okay. like an individual practitioner. So we will generally create a group therapy experience based on a common problem. Mm. Like um, kind of like how people go to grief therapy. Right. So like or sexual assault, things like that. So the majority of people there share a similar trauma. And then it's I don't know. I don't want to use this word, but maybe you can help me find a better word. Like it's easier to give them coping mechanisms. Is that like in and ways to go um, to work through their trauma? I don't know another word for easier in that moment. It's better to facilitate. It's more effective, like it's targeted. That's the thing. So when you all come with the same issue, the therapeutic processing is still present. You're still using clinical skills and you're still doing coping mechanisms, but people are going to be bringing their stuff to group. Compared to a psychoeducational group, that's where you're teaching about a concept, you are giving coping skills, and you are, you know, maybe assigning homework, you know, everyone go and you try this out and come back and report, but it stays pretty surface level. We don't get into a lot of deeper things because it's supposed to be psychoeducational. Whereas in the therapy group, we still have to structure it because you don't want to put people in a worse situation psychologically than when they came to the group, they can't leave undone. Yeah. No one, you don't want anybody leaving group therapy undone. So you have to only take it a little bit so far and then bring it back up and then you can end the group therapy process. So if individual therapy is inaccessible because of costs, group therapy can also be really helpful because you're in relationship and you're working with other people through your own stuff, which is also helping them work through their own stuff. Yeah, I think I've I've seen that a lot, even in my own life, like when I hear someone talking about an issue. Uh, And then I'm like, or how they resolved it. And then I'm like, oh, like I never looked at it in that way. Or I never realized that that was an option or something like that. So, um, and that 
that's a big deal when you're talking about resolving trauma because you've lived with it sometimes for so long that you like it's all you know you know what I mean is your trauma responses and things like that um I want to ask you this though in our community we already know there's a huge stigma with just like getting freaking mental health like under control acknowledging that we might have um issues with mental health like and you talked about it a little bit in the beginning right like um in the beginning when we wanted to be free they deemed us as crazy right and so is there anything else or could you elaborate on that a little bit more like what is the stigma within our community why why won't we just go like acknowledge we have something some issues and go to therapy it's because of who we have to go to like we're we're not in a place where mm. the mental health world is populated by us where we can work for us. We're still at risk of going to see non-black practitioners. And when you go and you work with somebody and you work with a non-black clinician, whether it's mental health care or medical care, you got all these layers of yourself that you have to translate for that person before they can even begin to work with you. And you don't want to do that. Mm. It's, it's extra work. I got to go and explain. I got to put on my professional voice. Like if you can't show up in a setting and just be who you are and let that be accepted and not used against you, mm-hmm. why would you go? We I have, have to. valid reasons for not going. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I have to shout out to my brother because he recently started going to therapy and he's got a black male therapist and he just comes back and it's like he it's like he has been given so much life um and he just lo- he loves his therapist like he tells us all the time about it so shout out to my brother who is a black male who is going to therapy who said I'm going to get this under control I'm going to resolve my trauma I'm going to do the things that I need to do to be better um because uh, and, and he loves it. Like he he talks about the things that his therapist has taught him and the things that he's had to deal with and uncover about himself uh, while not having to explain, well, you know, because I'm a black male, these are the things I deal with. Like his therapist is like, yeah, no, that's what we go through. Keep going. Yeah, no, I get it. You know? And so my brother, like I've seen such an intense change and I just, you know, we'll get to that too. Like what uh, therapy does and what that change looks like, but he is one that I've seen it. And I'm just like, this is what being seen, um, while being helped looks like, right. And being understood. Truly. I mean, I've seen stories of black folk in the doctor's office and they get attended to by maybe a a white clinician and whatnot. And the black male, the black male uh, doctor that was in the room after the other attendee left, he looked at the brother that was sitting down, he was like, my dude, do you understand what we're saying? Do you know what just happened? And the brother looked at him, he was like, nah. And so he sat down and he said, listen, I'm talking, it was about like colon health or something, but he broke it down in a way that the man could understand because he could tell by being in the room, by looking that he wasn't connecting it. You have to understand when we're interacting with the medical industry, Mm -hmm. there's a history of trauma in the black community. You don't know if what they're telling you is actually real because we remember the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. You don't know if what they're offering you is actually going to help you because we know about all the black women that have been sterilized by Johns Hopkins Medical Center. Like we have we walk into these into this industrial complex with trauma. You see how many black women we're not and black people we're not believing. We say, hey, this hurts because of the stereotypes that say black people can 
hold on to more pain. They have a higher pain tolerance because we came here enslaved, being beaten and having that high pain tolerance beaten into us. So that right. influences every other way that we are that we are deemed and that we are seen, which is as excessively strong people. And then we as a community and a culture like, girl, you don't need that. Just go talk, give it to Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Oh my God. You know what? Let me just go ahead and ask the next question because you, you just segued perfectly as black folks. We have the most intense, like our tendency to say, well, I went through that and I'm good. Like I'm fine. I dealt with it. Like, you know, so-and-so went through that and she's good. He's good. Whatever. Like we have this tendency to say we good one. I want to know what do we mean, LaShawn, when we say we good? Like, because we love to let, baby, sometimes you got to let go and let God of this sexual trauma. How am I let go? How am I, what do you mean? I need to, I got to work through some things, right? Of the neglect of the child abuse, of all these different things. Like, how do I, and don't get it twisted. I'm not telling you not to believe. I'm telling you to believe, but we have got, we are mistaken if we think that there are not things that God has given us, um, if you are a believer, that also help us, right? So, um, LaShawn, what do we mean when, when Black folks specifically, when we say, we good, I made it, we, I'm good, I'm fine. I mean, the therapist in me is like, we're deflecting. Mm. However, what, what we also need to do is have a conversation, because what if it's true? What if you are good? Tell me how you got there. What did mm. you do? What was different? How did you get good? Because I feel like I'm not good. I don't I can't do what you did. That's the other part of the conversation is when somebody says, I can't do what you did, even after you explain to them why and how you're good. Like it doesn't really have to be either you're good or you're not. Mm. It can be. I went through that and I'm good. But the other part of that is, are you OK? Can I help you? That's mm. what we're looking for. That's why I'm going to go to a therapist. I want somebody to help me get to a place where I'm good because what if I tried to do what you do and it still didn't work for me? Right. If I'm not good, then can I go get help? And there's a why you don't go tell a stranger because we don't trust the system. Anything that means, can I have the last four years social? I got to put it into a computer. Well, I mean, the man going to be in the computer and then all this stuff's going to be coming out. And <laughs> we don't trust the electronic systems or mm -hmm. the people that enter stuff into the electronic systems and it's like, there's also this piece where it's like, so if you need to go get help and I didn't, what's that mean for me? Does mm -hmm. that mean I should have gone to get help? Like we're having this reciprocal experience based on two words. I'm good. Mm. Mm. You know? And that's you the thing, it. like, okay, so, so Bell Hooks in her, in her book, All About Love, she shifted everything for me when I was thinking about um, abuse, because I will see so many, of us, of be, so many of us be like, yeah, I got, can I cuss on here? You can, go ahead. Okay, well, you know, I got my ass beaten, I'm fine. And it's like, but are you though? Is you, is you good? <laughs> Bell, like, is, is, is that, that's the bar we're using? I got my yes. ass beaten, and I'm good? Right, right. That's where we put the bar. That's where the bar is. And so like how many generations of us are actually free from getting our ass beat and being good? Right, correct. I don't even think it's one yet because I'm trying to raise my kids by talking to them. And that was the thing, because I'd be like, okay, I know I don't want to hit them. I don't want to hit my kids. I don't want to hit my mm -hmm. kids. What the hell do you do? Do you talk to them? Like, what do you do with a child that you're not hitting to tell them to listen to you? Right. And like just sitting with that is like, huh, can't hit you don't want to go to jail but you're not listening and I don't have any other resources that's it like how do we fill the gap 
how do we get the resource? Like, okay, we don't hit people anymore. Mm-hmm. We talk to them. LaShawn, this is humans. This is a whole side note, but I remember having the conversation with you and my other sisters in the group and um, being like, you know, when Naomi was, when my daughter was younger, I would spank her and I would never spank her like intensely, but, you know, I would tap her or give her like a couple taps, whatever, spank her. Um, and my daughter, y'all need to understand is a whole no limit soldier. Like when I tell you, I think she was raised on Master P, like she just, she just don't play no game. She don't care. She didn't care about that whooping. She didn't care. And so I was the one that had to reach out to you guys and say, look, what is it that I'm doing wrong? Um, and now as someone who Naomi has not gotten a whooping, she's six years old. Um, and that was when she was younger. And I'm regardless to where you are in your parenting experience, it was like looking back now, it's embarrassing for me to think that I was whooping someone to fall in line with what I wanted them. Like I was inflicting pain on someone so that they would listen to me. Like I was teaching him, teaching my daughter, uh, well, if you do something that someone doesn't like, it's okay for them to hit you. And black Twitter taught me that you taught me that you told me to go get the, what was it? What was the book? Love, logic and consequences Mm -hmm. beyond, beyond love and logic. Yeah. Beyond consequences. Yes. And so you told me to get that book, started reading it. Like I, there were so many resources that taught me, and this is a side note because that was, that was a moment of therapy for me where I, that was free therapy too. You gave me that for free, (laughs) but that was a moment of therapy for me learning that I'm teaching my child if you don't listen now, it's okay to hit you. Right. And now, you know, we are the timeout parents where black folks go, we ain't nobody putting no kids in time. I know black folks putting their kids in timeout. Listen, my daughter hates timeout so much. She has an entire meltdown, right? She's like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. Right. But like, it's effective because she doesn't do that thing again. So we have to say, and then afterwards we're having a conversation. Naomi, do you know why you are in timeout? Right. Okay. So what is it that you can do to not do that again? Right. And we're having these conversations that before I was just getting frustrated and boom, now she needs a whooping. So again, I think that that was therapeutic for me. You taught me something that um, as a mom, I don't think I would have known how to do, even though Black Twitter was talking about it too. Like, why are we whipping kids still? This is a slave mentality. This is this, you know. Um, and y'all already know how I feel about Black Twitter. I done learned everything. I done learned taxes and therapy, coping methods. And like, I've learned everything on Black Twitter. So y'all hear me reference it at least once an episode. But um, LaShawn, I had to give you kudos for that. But I wanted to go into um, the next question because I, I feel like it kind of ties into what you were saying before. As Black folks, we love to say, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. What are some things that if you have experienced these things, you more than likely need therapy? Like, are there some things that you say, listen, that calls for therapy, something that intense normally, and I know it's not a one size fits all, right? You can't just say, well, if you've had this, you automatically need therapy. But because we are the people that go, I'm good, I'm good, I think sometimes we need a push for people to tell us, yeah, but you know, when you experience this, I feel like therapy would help with that, getting past that or whatever. What are those things, LaShawn? So any relational ruptures that you have, like if I see friends that, um, it, I pay attention to how folks show up like on social media, like if they just disappear and then they show up as if everything was fine, 
And it's like, sometimes I like, you know, hey, I'm gonna take a break and I'm gonna come back. But usually like, if you just kind of start watching people's social media presence, you can see some things. Um, If people are always on the offensive with Mm. other people, I'll say, okay, I observe stuff before I say things, right? Um, I think if you've experienced assault and you have to make that really broad, it could be psychological assault. It can be physical assault. It can be sexual assault. Like we start making terms really, really broad. If something has happened to you that has affected how you view yourself and or how you view the world, you probably should go to therapy because you need somebody outside of you to help you make sense of whatever it is. Oh and my so, goodness. Hold on. Cause I need, I got a question on that. When you say if something has happened to you that makes you look at yourself differently or the world differently. So let's say I have been sexually assaulted, right? We've kind of hit on that a uh, few times. So if I've been sexually assaulted and because of that, it changes my thought to nobody's going to want me or, um, you know, I'm not worthy or who's going to love me. Or if I view the world as you can trust nobody, right? Nobody is to be trusted. Are those the things that you mean? Because I feel like that happens a lot within our community as well. It does. It does. That's absolutely it. Because whatever is going to affect the rest of your relationships, you probably Mm. want to go talk to somebody about that. And it could be, I'm good. I just cut people off. Okay, and that's going to work until it doesn't work. But why do you always cut people off if Mm. you're good? We have trauma responses that I think we've made into cultural like colloquialisms at times. Like I always cut people off or I always cuss people out or I do this. We're talking about this. Okay, you're telling me how you survive relationships in the world. By enacting the same kinds of protective mechanisms Mm -hmm. that you've learned because of something else that happened to you. Wow. So if you have experienced assault, um, if you have experienced, um, uh, what was the first thing you said? Oh, people that just hop off of social media, like they go in these waves and then what? Everything's good. I just come back in, show you pictures. Okay. We know that breaks are fine. So we have to distinguish between those two. Anything else that you feel we need to look at and go, that's probably something that would go to therapy. We've got more and more black people that need to go to therapy because we're having to survive racial trauma and racial stress and microaggressions. And we are so used to just taking it and just continuing to move forward. It's, it's bending us and you can only bend so far. And we do not have a system or a structure in place that believes us. And so therapy is a place where we can be believed about the racial trauma and the racial stresses that we're experiencing. And side note, um, there are some experimental research studies that are happening and it's super controversial, but it's with the use of either psychedelic drugs, uh, marijuana, and a few other uh, recreational substances that are being used specifically to help black people work through the trauma of racism. I have heard about that. Um, one in particular, is it, I'm, I'm about to butcher this cause y'all know, I don't know no drugs like that. Ketamine. Did I make that up? Did I make that up? 
No, it's so, real. Ketamine. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I feel like you're going to be like that Felicia. That ain't what that is. Okay. So I've heard about um, things like that. I just feel this is, I mean, not anything about that, like whatever we need to do, but I feel like you just tell every black person in America, they need to go to therapy. I just feel like you just, it was just a blanket statement. That's low key. We do. <laughs> Like therapy is where you go to be believed. Mm. I think every black person deserves to be believed about our experiences. Now, all of this to say, it's not untrue or uncommon that there are abusive people that are therapists. So, I mean, you still want to be careful about it, but I feel like if we are able to create it in our communities that we believe each other, you know, we're just coming off of the heels of a decision and a trial about Black women being believed about their experiences for decades of being mm. preyed upon sexually by a prominent person in Black communities and in the inter- entertainment industry, right? So you're we just need- not going to say R. Kelly? You just was going to skate you around know, it? I was you just, just- <laughs> I didn't want to do some figure eights. You know, I'm just trying <laughs> to like- like, you really figurated around that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Little double, double axle, all of it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because you all know people got feelings about it, right? I don't, it, listen, if anybody got feelings about that and disagrees with you, I don't know what show they listening to because it, it's not mine. Like, listen. That I don't, like, if y'all not agreeing that uh, women should not be sexually assaulted and that people are guilty, I don't, I mean, okay, whatever, we moving on. But yes, yeah, so I do, I, I as well, I believe that we deserve to be believed. Like that we is something. We deserve it. Absolutely. Um, especially after living in a world and a nation that continues to gaslight us, we need somebody to go, yeah, no, that actually was racist and sexist, or that actually was um, racist and homophobic, or that actually just was racist, right? That was a microaggression. That was something that, um, and one of the things I love, um, Ijomo Luo and her, So You Want to Talk About Race, she talks about how microaggressions are like, um, let's say um, you have a sore arm, Right. Uh, And so I'm going to butcher this because it's been a minute since I read the book. Uh, But she talks about how it's like you have a sore arm and then someone comes up and just jokingly punches you. Right. And that arm's been sore where you're going to flip out. Right. You're going to be like, like that freaking hurt. Like I have a sore arm. And that's what microaggressions are like. That's when we have been hit so many times with these little things. And then someone comes up and just jokingly or whatever, or they mean, well, it doesn't, intentions don't matter when we're talking about microaggressions, right? So when that person hits you in the same spot, then you blow up and they're like, wait, a, what just happened? Like, it was just a joke, like, you know, whatever. And you're like, and that's part of the constant gaslighting that we have to deal with, which makes complete sense as to why we need therapy. Another thing, LaShawn, whenever black people talk about therapy, when we talk about therapy period, it's the, I'm not going to go tell nobody, no stranger, my business. I'm not going to do that. I don't like it. Tell us what therapy looks like. Like when I walk in, because we've seen it on movies, we've seen it in different places. We've seen, we, some of us have heard people talk about it, but like, get us out of that. Like, how do we, how do we get out of this? I ain't going to go, I ain't going to tell nobody my business. Uh, you know, I'm not doing that. How do we get out of that? So we have to treat it as part of our body that we're taking care of. And we have what are called um, public experiences and we have private experiences. And so our public experiences are our behaviors, right? But our private experiences are our thoughts, our feelings, our sensations, our emotions, like where does it get stored in the body? And to think that we can divorce our public and our physical health 
from our mental health is one of the things we need to get out of because mm. headaches, hypertension, um, high cortisol levels, um, increased risks of diabetes and heart attacks, all of the health conditions that are impacting black communities because of stress. Stress is a psychological experience as well as a structural experience. And if we're in structures that are already contributing to and, and creating stress, our minds are also going to respond to our environments. Mm -hmm. So how do you have black people living in this country or any other in the world experiencing structural systemic institutional stress and then thinking that we don't need to go talk to somebody about it? Mm. Mm. because the hardest thing about therapy at times, especially for working with marginalized communities is I'm not fixing the problem when you come in. Cause you're going to go back out into the world. That's problematic. What I'm doing is trying to help you get coping skills so that you understand how to manage and navigate that world out there. And when you come into the therapy office, I invite you to dump it all out and then leave it in the office for me. I'll clean it up. I want you to walk out a little bit lighter than you came when you walked in. That's what therapy can be when you've got someone who listens to you and believes you and helps you take care of yourself and the people that matter most to you. You just said a whole mouthful. Like that, I think sometimes we want therapy to change our situation, right? Like we want, we think that therapy will, why am I still, why does he still, like, if we're in, if we go to couples therapy, right? And we go, well, why does he still talk to me this way? Why does, why does she still do this? Why does this happen, right? Like, obviously, therapy is also to help change our behaviors too, when we realize that we have contributed to the problems that we have. Um, but so much of it, like you said, is the coping mechanisms, like being able to go, okay, instead of you yelling at me and now I'm going to yell back, I'm going to take a step back and go, can you calm down so we can have a discussion about this? Like those, that's the differences in therapy when you, we also have to be mature enough to accept it, right? To accept the things that a therapist is saying. Um, I just can't say thank you enough because that makes so much sense when we talk about people saying, well, I, I'm not going to talk to no stranger. Um, girl, you have fed me today. Like I feel... I'm like, between you and my brother, I'm like, let me go and start this therapy and quit playing because like, that's what we need. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who's contemplating or heck, not even contemplating, hell, they just sitting there like, I don't need it, right? Um, what would you say to them? What would it be? You know, I feel if someone is saying, I don't need therapy, I'm good. You know what? You might be right. However. If you ever wanted somebody else to hear your story and to tell you, you know what, you're right, you are good here, but maybe this is an area where I could help you or have you looked at this piece of your life and thought about how it affects how you feel good about these other pieces? Like we are trained to kind of look and read in between the lines. And so maybe you don't need therapy about whatever people say you need therapy for, but maybe you might benefit from having the support in some other part of your life. And so if you think about therapy as a mental health support or as a relational support or as an interpersonal support for you, then you can go and talk with somebody who is just as invested in your progress and in your healing as you are. Most therapists, we are trained to not work any harder than our clients. 
So we're not going to force you to go anywhere that you don't need to go. But remember, it's about forcing you where you don't like need to go. But generally we'll ask, like, can I push back on this a little bit? Mm. Because we're in a relationship with you just as much as you're in a relationship with everyone else. And because we kind of come in with a different, we don't have a, a slate. We don't have the decades of experience with you as a person that everybody else in your life does. I can't tell you how many times I am shocked that I will give what I think is a little piece of advice or a little, um, a small skill or a, a, a small slice of, of a perspective to a client. They're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I'm like, I'm that really? client. You said that you said things and I'm like, wait just a damn minute. Like, and all these light bulbs go off and I'm like, how did I not, what do you mean? Like you've done that for me, you know? So I know that that's a thing. And it's been like, just via text. I wasn't sitting in your office somewhere, like relaxing, telling you my life story. You've been like, well, Felicia, and I'm like, how the hell? Did she just do this? Like, so yeah, I, I can completely attest to that. So anybody, I, I think I have gone to therapy with LaShawn. I just haven't called it that. <laughs> I think I've been in therapy with LaShawn a few times. Um, but yeah, so I can, that's something that I can, I can definitely agree with. So another thing, LaShawn, you talked about, uh, you said in the beginning that you are a relational change strategist. Tell us a little bit about that and what that means. What that means is, um, I help people create connections across differences and I help them create lasting change in the relationships that matter most. So whether it's family or friends or work or school or community, everyone wants to walk into a place and be seen and we need the capability to see others. Mm -hmm. And so for me, if you want to change your relationship, whether it's personal with yourself or interpersonal with others, I help people connect with their values, use their values to identify a couple change areas create a plan to start changing those areas and then support them through the process. And it's one of the things that I love to do the most. And it's so much fun. Tell us about a time when you saw, I know like it's always like the, what is it? Patient, doctor, confidentiality. So obviously there's no names, but like, tell us about a time when you saw that and were like, oh, I just did my job. Who want to touch me? Cause I just did that. Who want to touch me? I, um, one of my, the first clients that I had, I was working with, uh, some adolescents in the juvenile justice services, uh, system. And it was one of my gang affiliated kids and he was really difficult to reach. Um, he wouldn't talk to anybody, but I was the only black therapist. He was not black. I did not know that when I heard him speak and I was really excited because I was like, Oh, we got black kids in the, okay. I turned around. (laughs) You got black fished. (laughs) I I did. (laughs) Cause my dude was talking, yeah, and I told this, and then the office like, oh, we got black people, cause you know they'd be using the N word like it's candy and popcorn. I turned around, it was this little white dude, redheaded, like tiny, and I was like, oh, we finna nuck and bug, okay, we, no big we, deal. Listen, and he loved Tupac and loved hip hop, like every stereotypical thing you could think of of a white kid that loves black culture and mm. hangs out with people. Um, but he was hard for everybody to reach and they didn't, but he and I connected. Love Tupac, I love Tupac. And it was one session I remember that he and I had um, where I had him doing some art, some expressive arts therapy. And it was, I said, you know, draw yourself in a storm. And so he drew himself in a storm um, and it was 
just beautiful, like the size that he made his hand on accident, um, how big he made the umbrella mm. if he put a raincoat on. Like there's so many symbols you can pull out of how somebody sees themselves in a storm. And then we went through all of that, talked about his picture of the storm. And then he had um, the water where he had been painting and I had him go throw the water out. And I said, now you threw away all the things that created your storm. And he looked at me and he was like, a word? He grabbed the cup and he went and he dumped it. And he just shook it just to make sure he got everything out mm. because he wanted to get rid of all the things that he had created of that storm for his picture. Now, mind you, that was our one hour session. He's leaving session, hand on the doorknob. And one of the things that we had struggled with was he would always carry his flag in his pocket. And he was like, you want to hear the story about my flag? And I was like, you want to extend session? Mm. He was like, yeah. So he came back inside and he's like, this is why I never take my flag. And this is why I never put it away. He unfolds it and the flag could have folded itself. It had been folded and unfolded so many times, but he showed me two holes in the flag. And he was like, this is my homeboy's flag when he got killed. And I was there when he passed. And I said, you know what? So he tells me the story and you know, it's definitely shorter than what I'm sharing here, but he tells me the story and it's, like the room right now just shifted. Mm -hmm. So in the room with him, it shifted. And he sat and he told me the story and he told me why, and he told me what it meant. And um, I looked at him and I said, listen, I will never ask you to put your flag away. And I'm going to tell everybody else at the center here to not talk, talk to you about the flag because I get it. I understand. And so I want you to keep it. I want you to know I got you. And, and, and thank you for sharing that with me. And so aside from it being a deeply sacred, beautiful, wonderful moment, it was when I knew and I believed that I knew how to connect with people mm. and that, I, that they believed that I believed them and that I listened to them and that I would use whatever power and ability that I had to ensure that at least where I could help protect them, that my word was my bond. Hmm. And that, that experience was probably like pinnacle of my career um, for a lot of reasons, but that experience stands out the most. Oh, you know, I cannot, I, I would never like put myself in the, like put on a therapy hat and pretend like I'm a therapist, but as an educator, you have those similar experiences, which you also know, right. As a professor, but um it is, it's an interesting thing because as a teacher, you have to be a mama or daddy. You have to be the coach. You have to be the therapist. You have to be the counselor. You have to be, you'd have to be all that. You have to be just so many different things. You do have to put on a lot of different hats. Um, and so I have like goosebumps listening to your story because I, I also have those stories, you know, where kids need to be listened to. They need to believe that you believe them. Um, they need to know that they are loved. And like that story encompassed all of those things that I know as an educator. Now my voice is getting all cracky because I'm like <clears throat> tearing up, but that is, that's something that's so real. And I wanted to say too, um, every year in school, we would do this training and it was called ACES. Have you heard of that? It's like adverse, of course you have, adverse childhood experiences, right? And so they would tell you, uh, for those of you who are listening and watching, they would tell us that children who have, um, there's like, I believe 10 of them, like 10 different um, adverse childhood experiences that really affect 
kids and that cause trauma. And it's everywhere from maybe having a parent that abuses drugs or a parent that neglected them, a parent that was in jail, um, any kind of sexual, emotional, physical abuse. Um, I mean, the list goes on, like there's just so many different things. And so uh, earlier when you were saying these are things to look out for too, I would add those things on too. If you have been neglected, I, again, I'm not no therapist, LaShawn over there, like don't tell uh, me, <laughs> but you know, I would say, I feel uh, that if it's trauma, if it's traumatizing for children, then it's probably traumatizing or affecting you as an adult too, if it happened in your childhood. Um, and so LaShawn, I'm going to say this. Every black person I've ever known that has gone to therapy told me everybody need to go to therapy, everybody. So like, I know you were trying to be modest and like, but like, literally I have not met a person, even people that didn't like their therapist said, I'm gonna go to somebody else. Cause I just don't think she was right for me. I don't think he was right for me, but they absolutely were like, I'm going to go to somebody else. Like, so they were not turned off from therapy per se, but they were just like, I feel this is something I need to do. I felt like they were giving me good things, but I didn't really like the vibe, you know, and they still believe everybody should go to therapy. So I just cannot say thank you enough. Uh, Dr. LaShawn Williams, you really, I mean, I just feel like if you leave this session going, I'm, I'm still good. She ain't gonna talk me into going to therapy. Did you listen? Did y'all listen to this episode? Because... <laughs> Cause LaShawn really like, I'm, I just can't, I just can't play with y'all. So um, LaShawn, thank you so much. Please tell them where they can find you, all your information. Where can they find you online? You can follow me on social media platforms at Dr. LaShawn, D-R-L-A-S-H-A-W-N or my website, drlashawn.com. Same spelling, D-R-L-A-S-H-A-W-N.com. And I mean, I'm mostly on Facebook same thing dr lashawn like that's me internet social media website i don't do tiktok because if listen if i did tiktok i'd just be doing the dances and the voiceovers and that's not professional like i would just be <laughs> out there like doing the most and then losing all professional credibility so i try to stay with facebook and instagram and my own i don't website. know i don't know i disagree because i followed a whole doctor here in the in the uh, dfw metroplex because she was making like wild tiktoks as a black i think she's a a pediatric no not pediatric she's something but like i started following her because she was all on tiktok she had her um her uh nike her her uh what do you call her jordan ones i said hold up sis not in the doctor's office she got her own practice and everything so i was like oh no i think people i think you reach a different demographic if you want a ratchet audience such as myself <laughs> we <laughs> we we like that stuff but anyway i cannot say enough uh dr lashawn I love you so much. Um, thank you for you, the therapy sis. you have given me. I owe you. I'm probably not going to pay you. You know, I ain't got no job. Okay, but <laughs> I, I'm not, I can't. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you um, for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us, Fro Fro. I appreciate it. Um, and I, I just, I just can't say enough that you are doing a good work. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Just everybody take good care of yourselves and each other. And everybody get therapy. Oh God. Yes. And go to <laughs> therapy. Exactly. Hey guys, you just listened to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps with your host, Felicia Jimenez. Um, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, as you already know, our goal is to each one teach one. So until next time. Mm -hmm.